Thanks for joining us today at The Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. The Bread of Life is a program of the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its local mission fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. If you go to our website, breadoflifeboise.org, you'll find links to our radio archives, our overseas ministry, and to our local ministry here in Boise. Your support of this broadcast makes it possible. In our last broadcast, we noticed that the moral law of God found in the Ten Commandments was a call to respond to God so that God may open up to us all of His life and promise. For the Christian, we should understand that through Christ, we come to that law of God, having found the one who would empower us to keep it and one who would fulfill everything promised in it. Jesus is all, and when you find Him, He brings you into a life that speaks God's truth to the world. Yet, it's not a truth the world is often glad to receive. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, He took the final penalty of the law for us in that place. But in so doing that, He also restored to us who believe in Him all of the provisions that are found in the law of Himself. He brought us to a place where through the power of Jesus Christ, we might live obediently to that law and we might lay claim in our experience to all of these provisions. Through Jesus Christ, we take God for ourselves and we bring Him before us. Through Jesus Christ, we have Him. We have Him in all of His fullness. We have Him in the fullness of His spirits and we want nothing to do with idols Through Jesus Christ, we take in his name all of the fullness and all the life that we claim as our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, we have our Sabbath rest. We rest in him. Through Jesus Christ, we come and we claim God as our heavenly father, redeemed and adopted in him. We hallow his image in us and the image we see reflected of him in every man. We treasure our covenant relationship with him and we honor our relationships with others. We rely on him as our sole provider in all things. We treasure him as the absolute truth of over all our speech. We're content with him. And we live prophetically. Our lives declare something to others. And here's what happens. When you declare and speak a prophetic truth and when you live a prophetic life, here's what's going to happen. Others who don't are going to blame you for their troubles. And they're going to expose you to their animosity. And that's exactly what happens to Elijah here. The regular response of those who find their sins by being exposed to the words and life of the prophets was to blame the messenger. What happened here to Ahab, where Ahab sees Elijah? Is that you, troubler of Israel, right? You're the one to be blamed for all this. What's happened here is not the first time that this happens to this point in time, and it's not the last time this will happen either. This is, in a sense, the regular pattern of individuals who are confronted by truth and confronted by those living out the truth. This is their response when they deny that truth and when they will not look into themselves and where they keep looking out to others. They'll blame the messenger for what's taken place. Stephen In Acts chapter 7, verse 52, is preaching to the Jews in Jerusalem. Here's a case in which they don't receive his message very well. If you recall, at the end of his message that he delivers to them, they take up stones, fall upon them, gnashing their teeth, cast him down, and stone him to death. But before he says that, he declares a truth that is 
about to be repeated and set upon himself. In verse 52 of Acts 7, he says this, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? You know what the answer is? None of them. They persecuted them all. This is what happens when people are exposed to the prophetic truth and a prophetic life. They resist it. If they don't yield to it, if they don't succumb to that truth, if they don't bow before that truth, they resist it and they resist the messenger and just so you know, expect it. When evil abounds and you confront evil, expect more evil. It's just what happens. That's what's taking place in this moment in time. Actually, you'll, you'll see as society tips further away from God and from God's will, and when individuals tip further away from living and surrender to God's will, that they'll fix their judgment more and more on those who are seeking to bring them back into conformity to that will. Jesus said basically this. Let me read you the words of Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, because the Lord Jesus multiple times warns us that we will suffer persecution as we follow Him and as we speak the truth. And He, he actually tells us to rejoice in those things because... We're not greater than our master. And if they persecuted him and he suffered, we're going to suffer as well. Here he compares this prophetic life that we live and the outcome of that to what happened to the prophets. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's just what happens. First point was what this prophetic life is. It's a forecasting of the future in light of God's word, in light of God's commands, knowing that we live in a moral universe, knowing that universe promises us blessing as we yield to God and as we obey God and promises upon us cursings and difficulty when we don't. And when you add up that math and you see it, you can speak against it in people's lives. It's not a good road to go down, you could say. This is what it's ultimately going to result in. This is what you're going to experience in your life. This is going to be outcome for you or for your society. And if you don't say that with words, you can live that out. Because as you live in yielding your life to Jesus Christ, God begins to pour out the blessing of His presence. And when you resist Him and you defy Him, you know in your own experience as well that He chastens you. You have difficulty and your life becomes a prophetic testimony as well. But the more and more you're committed to that and yielded to being one who brings that truth before the world, second point, people are going to blame you. And they're going to be antagonistic against you. They're going to have animosity towards you. Here's the third and last point here. Even though all this is true, we must continue to tell them where the trouble actually lies. We have to be bold enough and brave enough to say no. Here's where the trouble lies. It lies in a rebellious and disobedient heart. It lies in a will that is set on self. In Job chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Eliphaz is giving counsel to the suffering Job, and we might not appreciate all that Job's counselor said to them, but here's true wisdom. Eliphaz says this, Truly affliction comes not forth from the dust, neither does it spring out of the ground, yet Man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. And Eliphaz was just declaring a scientific observable fact. It just happens. You hear this? 
Man has troubles, he says, but it doesn't come from the ground. Man has troubles, but it doesn't come from the dust. The locus point of his problems is not his environment. The Bible teaches us, by the way, that when God made man, he made man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in it, and man became a living soul. But our problem is not even in the substance of our own flesh. It's not in the environment around us. It's not in the ground around us. It's not even in the substance of earth and the ground that we're made from. It's not just in who we are. It's not in your DNA. No. The trouble comes from someplace else. It's not in your gene pool. It's not in your environment. It doesn't come from the dust. It it comes from the heart. It comes from the spirit of a person who lives in rebellion and willfully turns from God and from his will. Job, by the way, acknowledged what Eliphaz said was true and said that man is born of woman and he's few of days and he's full of trouble. But this isn't how God had planned it to be in the first place. This is not the life that God intended for us that came from his hand when he made man in the garden. But nonetheless, this is the case. The problem with most people is that we fail to understand and identify the primary source of our problems. And we resist the messenger who tells us where the primary source of our problem is as well. So we heap up around us all of those other people that will point and educate us and all the other sources of our troubles other than our own hearts and our unyielding hearts to God. And so individuals can come along you and we develop our pathologies of psychology and psychiatry and sociology. And although there's a contribution that they make that's helpful... Primarily, each of these disciplines searches out for the answers for what comes to and what causes the troubles in life. And they basically say the conclusions of all of it is it's in the dust. It's either in the environment around you, it's nurture. It's the way you're nurtured by your environment, or it's the way in which you've been constructed and coded by your DNA. It's nature. It's just in your nature. It's nature or nurture. And that's why you've got the problems you have. And from that, they each develop their different tacts on how to deal with the issues in your life. And Eliphaz comes along and says, no. It's not nurture and it's not nature. It's not your environment and it's not your DNA. They don't come from the dust. You can't blame your troubles on your environment or your gene pool. They rise up from within you. They come from the heart that's turned against God. Ahab is being worn down by the hand of God. He is for three years trying to figure out what's the cause of all these things. He's gathered around him all the wisdom that he can to confirm to him how to answer and what the solution is for the trouble they're in the midst of. And all that they come up with is get rid of these messengers. Get rid of the prophets of God in the land. And when he appears before Elijah, he can't even resist saying it. Is that you, O troubler of Israel? He's been nurturing this claim. Basically, I'm telling you, it's just another theory that he's breaking out in another manner that says the trouble is in the dust. It's the trouble for my life is in the dust theory. And Today we could say the problem is our culture. The problem is a political problem. The problem is an educational problem. It's a developmental problem. It's a psychological problem. It's a genetic problem. No. At its heart, all those things can contribute All those things can aggravate. At its heart, it's a spiritual problem. It's a sin problem. It's a heart problem, unyielded to the will and way of God. Ahab says, Elijah, you did this. 
God's answer to this is, it's not in the dust, it's not there. No, it's in you, it's in your heart. Elijah says, not I, but you have in your father's house. There's no way back from your issue and from this issue and from this concern and from this judgment until you recognize and you acknowledge that it's in you and it's in your father's house. It's in your resistance. In fact, he says exactly what the problem is. You have forsaken God's word. You have forsaken God's commandments and you've given yourself over to the Baals. And by the way, when you will not yield yourself to the commands of God, you will be ruled by lesser gods. You think you're ruling yourself? You're wrong. You'll be ruled by lesser gods who will not bring you into ultimate blessing but will lead you into chaos and ruin because that's their goal. That's their desire. Chaos. Ahab, the problem is you've set yourself against the grain of a moral world that God has placed you in. And that's the spring of all your troubles. It's your rebellion. By the way, if you go back and look at the story, you'll see that there's individuals who are blessed in the story of Elijah. Elijah is. God blesses him. God uses him. God gives him a meaningful life and gives him power and influence. And you'll see people being blessed. And you'll see people being judged. And there's a difference between them. The ones who are being blessed are responding to God's command over their lives. Thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest to you two websites you can visit. First, go to traincpe.org to learn about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And to learn more about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.